Well, hey there, welcome to Double Your Sales. I'm John Daniels, and over the next 60 minutes or so, I'm going to share with you the eight big common problems that most salespeople make that prevents them from closing more deals and getting more clients. But now, before we begin, let me just explain one key principle to you. I am able to share with you some absolutely killer techniques and concepts that I know will skyrocket your sales, but only if you take action and implement the ideas. I cannot make you do that. Only you can take responsibility for that. This program is for people who want to improve their sales figures, get more clients and make more money. And the key to doing this is to take action on the ideas that resonate with you. Now, you can listen to this program as many times as you like. And each time you do, you'll pick up a new nugget as to what resonates with you on that occasion. Don't try to do everything at once. Just get one good idea at a time test it out, master it, and then start working on the next idea. Before you know it, you will have a killer toolbox of nifty sales techniques to use in the appropriate situations when required, and you'll have the confidence to use them as well. So let's crack on. So let's look at the first problem. That's when you start saying things like, people won't buy from me. This is where you're actually getting appointments or opening conversations you're not converting anything into actual paid business and this can be really frustrating as it feels like you're just wasting your time or even worse you feel people are wasting your time when you could have been talking to someone else who might have been more interested now i know a lot of sales experts in this situation would tell you to look at what you are saying and hone your closing skills because you are already getting in front of people i don't agree however for me this is a problem about trust. To get people to buy from you, they must trust you first. And it is your responsibility to earn that trust. I remember when I first started out my life coaching business, I would run one-day workshops on confidence. Now, this was an absolutely fantastic event where I knew anyone who came along without a shadow of a doubt would learn how to be more confident. I'd go to the breakfast meetings, I would pick out unconfident looking people, and I'd go in for the kill on my prey. And I'd get sales, but not a good type of sales. I was closing business, but it was all focused on the quick win, not the long-term result. I was acting like a caveman. I would keep battering my target over the head until I got a decision from them right there and then. I wanted to know straight away if they were in or out. Having come from a telesales background at that point, I hadn't noticed that the approach to what I was selling on the phones in the past was not appropriate to what I was selling now. And this caused one of three problems. First was that my prey would either escape without buying, but would do their best to never come near me again, in the fear that they wouldn't be so lucky to escape next time with their wallet intact. Secondly, they would buy from me just to get rid of me, or because it felt right at the time, then they would get home, experience buyer's remorse, and ring me for a refund, which of course I always did offer. If these customers did actually come on the course, they would always spend the most of the day looking like they didn't want to be there, whereas they didn't. They would question and pick holes in everything I taught, and generally ruin the day for everyone else on the course. No chance of getting a good testimonial from them, they damaged the chances of me getting a good testimonial from other attendees, and I really didn't have a chance of getting any further sales from them in the future. 
final outcome of forcing a sale, the third problem was that people would buy from me, but then I'd just never hear from them again. They wouldn't return my calls, they didn't show up at events, I couldn't even make them take a refund from me. They just didn't want any contact from me. See, none of these three options are desirable. The quick win will only get you cash up front. It won't get you any repeat business or long-term contacts. So it's not a good situation to be in if you're trying to grow a business. Being a caveman doesn't work long-term. It may give you money short-term, but it will not give you the relationships you need to get long-term sales. So with this type of approach in place, my first business went under and I had to return to full-time work. And I got a job working in corporate sales in the business-to-business electricity market. Uh, I would sign up the big groups to electricity contracts. And I won the likes of Halford, Stagecoach and John Lewis, some pretty recognizable brands there. And I won these deals with a different approach to selling. Instead of being the caveman, I became the farmer. Every person I met, I would lay a seed with them. I would let them know what I did, but then spend more time on getting to know them, what they did, and what type of problems they had where I might be able to help them. This enabled me to build a relationship, get to know and like my prospects, and let them get to know and like me in return. Once this mutual like occurred, I created the trust and I had a situation where my prospects would buy from me as I had earned the right to sell to them. Now, you will hear me say this a lot, but you cannot please everyone all the time. You can only please some people sometimes. If you cannot get the mutual like in place, you probably don't want to do business with that contact. It will just be more trouble than it's worth. This will happen. Some of your prospects will just moan about whatever you do. You will never be right in their eyes, so just stop trying to impress them. Leave them be. Don't let them waste any more of your time. Go find people who will like you instead. There's a guy called Peter Thompson, and he's one of the biggest growth experts in the UK. He decided that one day he didn't want to work with tossers anymore. So he sent out an email to his database called Don't Work With Tossers. And the piece was about choosing to work only with people you enjoy working with. And of course, he lost a few subscribers and he lost a few clients, but he didn't care. As he just said, they were probably tossers. He took the decision that he just wanted to work with the people that he was going to enjoy working with. Anyway, back on point. Earning trust is key to getting people to buy from you. I once sold a multi-million pound energy contract for every Halford store in the country and someone asked me once what technique I used. And the honest answer was that I taught the buyer from Halford how to play Mario Kart at an exhibition when I met him. That is what got him to trust me. It had nothing to do with actually some killer sales technique. And it was all about earning his trust and getting him to like me first. I also signed up 2,000 charities once in a group deal, all because the decision maker was a Spurs fan like me. I kept in contact with him only to discuss the Spurs results each week. So one day he said, oh, I need to put some business with you, don't I? I didn't even ask for an order. As long as I kept in contact with people, gave useful information without expecting anything in return, and just acted like a normal human being, I got sales. It may take a bit of time to get this working, but once a relationship is in place, the trust will get you the results that you want. The secret is to be consistent and help people. 
don't try to force the relationship just gently guide it and when the time is right the magic will happen be the go-to person for a particular type of deal so when they come up you're the first person they think of drop any caveman style tactics that make you look desperate instead just be certain about what you offer have a clear and concise message about what you do and focus on building relationships and earning trust the sales will then come and they will come for a long time with customers willing to buy from you more than once so let's move on and look at problem two my competition gets more sales than me when i'm more qualified okay i can tell you right now i'm not the best salesperson you'll ever meet i'm sure there are more people with more qualifications than me who have more training than me and have more experience than me what i do have is my experience which i'm going to share with you now of my mistakes i used to make that i learned from that enabled me to go from worrying about where my next client was going to come from and stressing about how to pay the mortgage next month to having a consistent pipeline of deals and contacts i could call upon when required and this was a network that trusted me i could of course just tell you about my full qualifications instead that i have a degree three a levels 10 gcse's five diplomas in various topics two licenses actually at three because i got a driving license and i did a year's work experience during university the thing is what would you rather i told you more about right now how qualified i am or what my experience of sales is what would help you more right now nothing annoys me more when i go to a website and see it's all about the person that has nothing to do with what solution they offer their market your prospects do not care about you and your qualifications when they first meet you. They are in pain and are looking for a solution. When they find you, you want to show them that you are the answer to their prayers about their problem. And you have to get their attention quickly before you do anything else. I won a big award in 2006. I got a VIP weekend in Paris and I was given this award by Joanna Lumley and Sir Roy Gardner. And I thought I was the man. I went back to work and walked around showing off my trophy thinking I was untouchable. Guess what? No one cared about my trophy. It was meaningless to them. And even better, within 12 months I was meaningless too as I'd stopped solving problems for the company and I'd made myself dispensable. After calling my boss the C-word and threatening to punch him for pointing this out to me, I left that business with a redundancy paid off to start my coaching business that I now had two diplomas in. How could I fail? Oh, oh yeah, listen then. You have to focus on solving problems. Drop your ego at the door and start helping your prospects to get what they want. Let them be selfish and put themselves first. Wait until they respect you and want to find out more about you. I was doing a talk recently and a member of the audience was feeling a bit confused on how he could solve his prospects' problems. This guy was selling an eco umbrella. Uh, it was a standard umbrella made from recycled material and all his marketing was about recycling and where it all came from i asked him to stand up and sell his umbrella to the room he started telling people that he had a handle and a button that opened it not really very inspiring stuff and you've got to ask yourself why would anyone want to know this 
He then started saying how the umbrella is made from eco-friendly waste. They had spent three years perfecting the design and sourcing 100% eco-friendly materials. You could tell how passionate he was about this and it shone through. But again, no one was really interested in the eco-umbrella. I asked him to sit down. I noticed there was a rather smartly dressed woman in the front row. She was in her power suit and looked like she just spent a lot of money on her hair. So I asked her how she travelled to the venue earlier that day and she said she had walked from the tube station and we were in central London. I then asked her if she had noticed it was raining outside and she said yes and she was very concerned about her suit and her hair getting ruined. I asked her if she wanted to know a way she could stop her suit and hair getting ruined. She beamed with a big smile and says, really, how could you do that for me? I then pointed to the gentleman who sold eco umbrellas. It didn't matter to her that it was an eco-friendly umbrella. It didn't matter it had a hand or a pop-up action button. Neither of these features were significant or important to her. What was significant and important to her was that there was a solution to the problem of her hair and suit getting ruined. You don't sell features of your products and services. You don't sell by going about how qualified you are. You're just pushing your personal agenda onto people to force a sale. What you do is you repackage what you have so it solves a problem that your market is facing. So when doing your website or your business cards or your leaflet, don't make them about you. Don't actually make it about what you're selling. Make it about what problem you solve in a really clear and concise, easy to read headline. You want people to see you as your answer to their prayers so they make that initial response to contact you. My good friend Vince gave me this killer tip on how to speak from the position of solving problems. It was quite simply to go and watch pitch TV. And you can do this on Sky Online, I think, these days. Seriously, just go and put pitch TV on for half an hour and notice what they're doing. It's repeated problems with the repeated solution. Very little mention of features, just problems and solutions. Careful, though, because I almost bought some sort of painting tool, a pop-up gazebo and a steam mop. These people are professional and know how to make you crap your wallet and pick up the phone when you're just lounging on your sofa. So just apply the umbrella story to your products and services instead of going on about how qualified you are. How does this product or service help your prospects? Time for problem number three. I'm good at lots of things but still can't sell anything. Ah, the old jack of all trades, master of nothing scenario. If you try to be everything to everyone, you're actually watering down your own skill. You're not giving that attention-grabbing message to solving a particular problem for a particular group of people. Your message is just too general. And because it's too general, no one would be interested. I said earlier, my life coaching business failed. That was partly because of the ego massaging about the qualifications I mentioned on the last problem. The other reason was, no one got what I did. I advertised I could help with weight loss, despite being about four stone overweight, so no one was going to pay the fat bloke to help them lose weight, were they? I said I could help business to grow, when I had no idea about running a business myself. I was the desperate caveman who was alienating people. That was hardly a signal for success. Not surprisingly, I didn't get any clients in those areas. Where I did get success was in the area of confidence and smoking cessation. I set up Stop Smoking Oxford, which is fairly straightforward, and focused on all the problems I discovered people wanting to stop smoking were facing. 
For example, there were pregnant mothers who wanted to quit, people with health problems and the doctors had given up on, and there were first-time dads who wanted to stop smoking to ensure that they could look after their kids. Very specific people with very specific problems. With these identified, it was easy to target the message at these people and where they were going to hang out, where I could find them. And as an ex-smoker, I also knew what it'd take to stop smoking for good. I used to be a 60-a-day man at one point, and I stopped cold turkey just because David Beckham missed a penalty for England. Go figure that out. How that got wired up in my head. But the technique of associating memories and feelings to what you're currently doing is very powerful. The confidence coaching needed a bit more work, though. I'd suffered from bullying growing up. I went to a boarding school where the hierarchy was that the older you were, the more you could bully the younger people. And I was the fat kid, and my best friend was a Korean guy called Nam with a freaky pube-style afro haircut. We weren't cool. <laughs> we were the targets. And getting smacked around the head with army boots and pillows was a daily occurrence. Nam and I got to the point of enough is enough. At 14, we are both growing up enough to stand up for ourselves. So one day, we took out the smallest guy from the older kids and gave him some army boot in the pillow action back. And guess what? The bullying stopped because I stepped up and spoke out for what I wanted. Throughout my life were these experiences of having to step up and speak out. So instead of being a confidence coach, I became the guy who helped people to stop letting other people constantly knock them down and walk all over them. Again, I was focused on solving a specific problem to a specific person. And this is when I started making sales. And again, where people were coming to me, not where I was having to go to them. The more you focus on one specific problem and how you can solve it, the more sales you will make. You can stand out from your competition and gain expert status quickly. And what can experts do? They can charge more for their services as their reputation stands before them. Let me give you one last example of focusing on a specific problem. Say all your life you'd worked in retail selling socks. Every single type of sock in the world, you knew all about them. One day you decide that you're going to sell socks for yourself as your new career. Now, you could try and sell every single type of sock to everyone in the world. Think about how you would market yourself doing that. You could, however, use your expertise to work out the biggest problems in the sock market. Your experience might tell you that Veruca socks are easy to sell, as you know you have a lot of people who have the problem of not being able to go swimming when they have a Veruca. And you have that answer because your special Veruca sock allows them to go swimming. Your specific message cures a specific problem. Once you have tested your offer and making money, you can then go and choose another type of sock to add to your range and repeat the same process. This is how you can make more sales and grow what you are doing. My first job was as a barman in a five-star hotel. I knew that some guests were there at the expense of their employers and were enjoying a night of being someone important in a swanky hotel. They liked the banter with a barman as it was familiar to what they were used to. But really, I wanted someone to show them how to push the boat out of the company's expense. The underlying problem was that they felt uncomfortable about what they should be doing in this situation. It was unfamiliar to them to be, you know, to be in a five-star hotel. You wouldn't believe how easy it was to sell double shots of a £18 a pop cognac. 
If I said £18 all right, the guests would have said do one. But as I framed it as part of the what's normal people do in this situation, it made them feel like this is how you fit in, and it was an obvious thing for them to do. I was young at the time and learning the rope, so I don't do anything as cheeky as that these days. But the point is, if you frame your offer correctly to the right person, you can sell anything. Be something to someone. Don't try and be someone to everyone. It's much easier to explain what you do and how you can help people. And secondly, it makes it a lot easier for other people to understand what you do and recommend you to other people with glowing references. Let's look at problem number four. I spend lots of money on advertising, but I don't get any response. This one is just crazy, yet 99% of businesses continue to do this in the hope that advertising will just suddenly work. Well, it won't unless you do it right. You have to get your position right in terms of what you do and your size of market. If you're a one-man band trying to sell using advertising in the same way dairy milk chocolate does, you're not hiding to nothing. Dairy Mill don't make their money from advertising. Their adverts are gorillas playing drums or cars racing down a runway to Bon Jovi songs. It's just about reminding people of the brand and keeping it fresh in their mind. The reason Dairy Mill make money is because they have a fantastic distribution network that ensures the chocolate is available in the correct places and is visible to people in the stores and shops. So if you're thinking of copying Dairy Milk's advertising strategy and you think it will work when you don't have the same distribution network, you're just doomed to fail and lose a lot of money. Now, if this is resonating with you, I mean, don't worry, because I'm as guilty as anyone on this. When I first started my life coaching business, my phone rang a lot. Not from customers, though. It was from every advertiser under the sun wanting me to place an advert with me. I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Why not? £250 for a quarter-page ad in Police, Fire and Rescue magazine. They even offered to do the artwork for me for free. Great, I thought. Signed it all off, paid the money. Three months later, a sample magazine came through the door. I looked through it and didn't even realise that my advert was in there. Even when I saw the advert, I didn't know it was for my coaching services. It had a group of corporate business people with my company name and a website. It just honestly didn't mean anything to anyone, and it certainly didn't reflect what I was offering. No one was ever going to act upon that. I don't even know how many people were sent the magazine, and no one was going to get the advert as to what I did, let alone pick up and phone and pay me money. And also, the market was subscribers to Police, Fire and Rescue. Why on earth did I think that a life coach was what that market was looking for? Around this time, I also ordered about 5,000 postcards that I wanted to pop through people's doors. 4,700 of them went in a recycling bin about 12 months later. Again, no one would get from that postcard what I actually did. It wasn't going to get the attention of anyone for the simple reason the message wasn't targeted at anyone. It was never going to inspire people to pick up the phone and pay me money. This is where everything changed for me. I had put in the effort, but just into the wrong things. I was asking the wrong people what they did to get sales. So I changed my business model completely. I put up a simple one-page website with a sign-up box where any visitor could get a free confidence-building course. All I wanted to test was could I get people to take action just to visit my website and fill in the boxes to sign up to my course. And that was the free course. I was looking for a direct, single response from people. 
Once I've had details from signing up, I knew I could build a relationship with them over time and earn their trust instead of just going for that immediate sell. In sales, it's very rare to get the sale from the first meeting, especially on high-priced services. In fact, and across whatever I've been selling, it's often taken me five to seven interactions, and even then the sale might not happen, as the time was not right at that particular moment. If I had their details, I knew I could keep in contact frequently and just keep earning that trust. So what I next did was I ordered some new postcards with a very specific message of free course on confidence, your own proven seven-step system to taking control of your life. Go here now to get your copy. My friend Pierre and I then walked around Oxford popping these cards through doors. We did about 500 and I got about 20 people sign up on my course. Now, that was really cool. That was a massive breakthrough for me. Now, the problem was it was very labour intensive. So I started looking at ways online I could get the same direct response action of getting people to, my, to sign up on my website. I used articles, pay-per-click, videos. I just tested loads of ideas and just kept doing the ones that worked consistently. Over the next seven months, I got about 2,000 subscribers that I emailed every couple of weeks with new tips on confidence and then made offers at the same time in between them all. I applied the 80-20 rule here that 80% of what I was doing was just free advice and tips. 20% of what I did was actually making them an offer. So the sales ratio was quite small. And this strategy worked well for me. I started making sales. So if you started to approach selling in this way and built a crowd of interested people instead of just going for a quick sell, can you see how in the long run you actually make more money? You can sell to these people more than once and they're always qualified as long as they want your emails or frequent updates. This is how you get a response from advertising. Make an unbelievable offer that attracts a specific person to take a specific action. Okay, problem number five, and this one is a bit whingy and a bit whiny, I know, but it's where you find yourself saying, I'm doing what other people are doing, but it's not working for me. Okay, big lesson here. You are unique and you are individual. What you offer is, in fact, yourself to be the solution to a problem when you're in your sales environment. People buy from people. Whatever you are selling, there's a good chance there are a lot of other people selling exactly the same thing as you. The only real difference is the packaging. For example, imagine I was feeling generous and decided I was going to buy you a nice watch that was worth, say, a £1,000. And then I give it to you in a nice box that looks very impressive. It's going to look good and you think, wow, this is a really good present. But imagine I gave you the same watch, but it was wrapped in a piece of newspaper and just chucked it over to you and said, there you go. Same watch, but would you feel differently towards the value of it as a present? The only action that I took was in how I packaged it together and how much effort I put into presenting it to you for what was on offer. Now, how you present this needs to be congruent to who you are and what you stand for. Only you really know the answer to that, because you are the expert on yourself, of course. So if you start copying or listening to someone who doesn't firstly understand you, secondly doesn't understand your market, if you do exactly what they do, you're not going to get the same result. You have to learn from them and tweak what they're doing to fit what you want to do. Understanding who you are and what makes you stand out makes you much more authentic when selling. People start to notice your passion and your experience about what you want to do. Passion and experience go a long way in selling as you're seen as someone who's happy and secure. 
These are two traits humans seek, happiness and security. If you come across as someone who has that, you will make more sales. When I first got into coaching in NLP, I was all about being Paul McKenna, for example. I wanted his money and I thought I wanted his lifestyle. But the more I got to know about Paul, the more I noticed it wasn't matching what I really wanted. Yes, I would love that sort of money, don't get me wrong. But then it made me think, what would it give me? Paul likes the champagne and the international jet setter lifestyle. I like living in a nice quiet village with my wife and watching Spurs play. Very, very different motivations and outcomes are needed for that. Once I accepted this, I started accepting myself and what I wanted. The direction of my life became clearer and easier. I became happier and I became more secure. Other people picked up on this and my sales figures improved dramatically. And this was in corporate life as well, not just in my self-employment. You need to take control of your life and make your work something that feeds your lifestyle. Don't let work dictate your lifestyle for you. Make those decisions about what you want and stop seeking approval or direction from other people unless or until what they say matches what you are looking for. I'm sure you know the story of David and Goliath, you know, where the little shepherd boy killed the big giant warrior. Do you know what actually happened? Goliath was expecting the rules of war to be obeyed, and this would be where David would come out and cross swords with him to show respect before the battle commenced. And if David had asked for advice, he might have been told to go and do that and would have been promptly killed. But David was a farmer, and his rules was he would kill any wolf that attacked his flock. So when the wolf that Goliath came along and caused trouble, he just slung two rocks between his eyes, killed the giant, and got on with his life. This was his decision as he knew what was best for him. You don't need the approval of anyone except yourself. Just give yourself that approval right now to go ahead and do whatever you want. Whatever it is, just go and do what you want to do. It will either give you a great result or a great learning experience to reference against in the future. These are both good outcomes for you. The alternative would be to sit there worrying about what might happen or what so-and-so might think about you. Who cares? It's nothing to do with anyone except you. You are the expert on you. If you sit there trying to work out everything first, you're just paralyzing yourself with fear. You're trying to be a mind reader and guess what other people are thinking or assume how they might react to your offer. You do not know how people will react until you've actually asked them. So go for it and find out. I mean, what is the worst that can happen? They might say, no, go away to you. You never know. It might actually open a big door for you. Just do what you think is right for you and stop doing what is right for other people or what you think is right for other people. And don't leave it all to the last minute. I know so many people who do their best work either in the week leading up to a holiday or a week leading up to where their sales target can be hit. You know what I mean, don't you? If you could sell like that all the time, there'd be no doubting your success would happen. You don't need to wait until you feel the fire underneath your bum, though. You don't need to wait until that urgency is there. If you can find out what your reasons for doing what you want to do are, the fire will be burning all the time. And not in a way where you're constantly looking over your shoulder at failure, but in a way where you're striving forward to get exactly what you want. If you just work out what you want, learn the bits where you need to fill the gaps and go for it. Stop trying to copy other people or trying to impress them. Just impress yourself by doing what you love to do.
Okay, moving on. Problem number six. I'm uncomfortable when asking for money. I'm sure a lot of people feel uncomfortable when asking for money. It's human nature that people don't like to ask for something without giving something else in return. It's human nature to want to give and not owe anyone. The feeling of being uncomfortable comes in when you don't have that level of certainty and belief about what you are selling. And this leads to you conjuring up some weird and wonderful imaginary scenarios that might happen when you ask for the money. Now think about it. What really is the worst that could happen when you ask someone for the money? It's not likely that your prospect is going to whip out a samurai sword and chop off your head for being so rude to them. The worst that could happen is they say no, and they ask you to leave the building. They hang up the phone, or they unsubscribe from your mailing list. That's not really that bad, is it? So if that's the worst that can happen in reality, everything else is down to what you are making significant and important in your head. I remember my first sale when I joined a telesales team. Now, I was nervous on the phone as the first person I spoke to was a guy called Mr. McVitie, like the biscuits, and he was from Newcastle. I could barely understand him, and I honestly thought it was a prank call. So in front of the whole office, everyone had this cringe-worthy conversation, and in the end, my boss had to take the phone off me to sort out. I went bright red thinking everyone thought I was an idiot, but I didn't notice no one cared. They'd all been there. It was a daily occurrence for them in call centres. You have good days and you have bad days. Sometimes you just have to take it on the chin. I lost a large contract once that I had down as a done deal, purely because the main contract was off on holiday the, deal, the day the deal was actually done. The stand-in wanted to make a name for himself by choosing a different supplier. Nothing I could have done about it. I just had to move on and take it on the chin. It's in the moving on where the success is in selling, not dwelling on the past about what could have been. Anyway, back to that first sale I was telling you about. It was a callback that needed to be made just to tell the customer what his tariff would be if he signed the contract. The customer already said he would be switching his supplier to my company. All I needed to do was turn the rates, read the verbal script and get him to say yes on the call recording. The script should have taken about three minutes to read. I managed to string it out for over 20 I was too scared to tell him the rates because I thought they were too high. But his rates were really good. It was just me putting that obstacle in the way. I got the deal done eventually, and after about 100 similar style calls and had that more experience to reference against, the whole process was a lot easier. To the point where I don't even think about it. I just do it. It's like riding a bike or driving to me. I just get on with it without thinking. It's just all unconscious confidence for me to be able to get up and do it. I'm just competent at it without thinking. And that is the key to feeling comfortable about asking for the money. Being certain that whatever you are selling is worth the value that you're being paid for it. Once you completely understand the value of what you do, have the proof to back it up, and are in a position where you can defend your position to the hilt, no matter who is attacking you, that is 100% certainty. It's certain because you don't have to prepare what you're going to say. You're happy to just flow with the conversation as you know how good what you do is. You are just going to make sure that your prospect understands it too. But I know you don't always feel that way. Certainty can come and go depending on what else is going on in your life at any particular point. Certainty is not exclusive to just one area that dictates the rest of your life. In fact, certainty isn't even real. It's not something you can pick up and put in a wheelbarrow. It's just a word that you use to describe how you feel in a certain situation. 
So what you need to do is change the word uncomfortable when asking for the money to certain when asking for the money. One way of doing this is to think of something you're absolutely certain about. Like for me, I'm 100% sure I will score a penalty when playing football. I have complete faith in my ability to score from the spot. I know I'm not always comfortable when around drunk people as I get concerned that someone might talk in my face or be sick on me. What I can do is look at myself in the situation of taking a penalty and put that version of myself being certain in the position of being uncomfortable when around drunk people. And if I do that, I just immediately notice I feel a lot better about that situation that I previously felt uncomfortable in. This is something you can do right now. Just work out where you are certain in your life and move those feelings and those emotions and all the pictures that come up in your head into where you are feeling uncomfortable and just notice how different you feel. So problem number seven, and this is the penultimate problem. No one listens to me. There is nothing more irritating than a so-called salesperson who comes up to you and starts going, me, 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 me. These people just shouldn't be allowed. They should be banned. You should never talk about yourself until you've earned the right to do so. You have to build trust with people and find out what they want. After all, that is the easiest way to sell something. I got this from Keith Cunningham. He says the quickest way to become a millionaire is to find out what people want, go and get it, then give it to them. It's not even about having the best products and services. It's about being in the right place where people who need you can find you. Take McDonald's, for instance. They're everywhere so that people who are hungry can get fast food when they want it. They know where their hungry crowd is. They certainly don't do the best burgers, after all, but you know what you get with them, wherever you are in the world. My friend Rob once established a location that really needed a restaurant and he decided to open a French cuisine and a cart style place. He invested lots of money into it, making this place look stunning, that when it actually opened, to his horror, he found out that no one actually wanted to eat French food in that area. What the area really wanted was a nice sandwich bar, because there was lots of business around nearby, and the employees wanted to go somewhere nice for lunch. If Rob had done his research properly, he would have found that out before he invested lots of money in designing a building a posh place that no one actually wanted to go to. If he had opened the sandwich business that people wanted instead, he would have found that he'd noticed further opportunities to cater for business lunches or have a van to drive around and sell sandwiches at the offices each morning as well. No one really wanted snails for lunch though. This is the mistake that so many people make when selling. What Rob did was not as bad as the me, 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 me people, but if this is you, it means you haven't listened to precisely what your market wants. You filled in some blanks yourself with assumptions. In this case, Rob saw the need for a restaurant in that area, and he filled in the blanks with French cuisine himself. He didn't drill down far enough, so now he's in this position of having to shoehorn French à la carte cuisine into the needs of a sandwich bar market. You need to match precisely to fill the gap that is causing a pain for these particular people. If you're not, you're trying to put square pegs into round holes. You would find herding a load of cats easier than selling in this situation. You need to research what your market is saying, I mean the exact language. You see, words can trigger off powerful memories in your prospects. They can cause a neurological reaction to release feel-good or feel-bad chemicals. You may have heard of persuasion engineering by Richard Banner and John Laval. 
This was a course all about using NLP in sales. The short version was about getting people feeling really good, get them into the state that solving their problem will put them in, then offer them the solution. So what do I mean by this? Well, if I said Paul Gascoigne to you, what reaction would you have? You might think, who? And have a feeling of not caring or confusion. You might think, oh yes, he's that drunken wife-beating ex-footballer who cried at the World Cup. Whereas I think he was the greatest footballer ever lived that I ever got to see. Because I got to see him score in the FA Cup semi-final in 1991 against the Arsenal at Wembley Stadium. So three possible reactions that you could have. And which one is right? Well, all of them. Because as a salesperson, you just need to understand what would trigger the right reaction in your prospect. So if you were selling to me, talking about gas would be a good thing. But it might be bad if your prospect was an Arsenal fan. On the flip side, let's turn it around another way. If you said baked beans to me, I, mean, I cannot stand the things. They remind me of my mum stabbing in my mouth in the, with a fork, trying to force them down from my throat when I was three years old. You, however, might see them as a comfort food that you absolutely love, that you will eat at least three times a week because you just love baked beans so much. I hate them. You love them. Different reactions in our head. What you need to do is find those triggers in your market. What are those hot buttons that are going to get their attention and make them want to listen to you more? They will start to feel like you understand them. You understand what is significant and important to them. They start to trust you and start to tell other people about how you help them. The more information and feedback you collect from them, the more they'll tell you exactly what you should be selling. And as I said, I ran a life coaching business. And then I looked at the confidence market, and then I spotted a need, much like Rob's French restaurant. I was almost there, but not quite the right fit. What I did then discover that within the confidence market, there was a further niche for confidence against bullies. People wanted to learn how to stop being knocked down and walked all over by other people. People wanted to know how to step up and speak out. And that is how my business, Step Up, Speak Out, was born. All from looking down from coaching to confidence coaching to that real need about confidence against being bullied. And here it is, the final problem. Problem number eight. I'm not getting any leads. The solution to not getting any leads is quick and simple. Either you are sitting there not doing enough to get leads, or what you are doing isn't working for you. What you need to do is pick three or four ways that will work for you and allow you to do them consistently. You need to test the ideas and find out what actually fits with how you want to work. For example, I mainly used online methods to generate leads because at the time of setting up my Step Up Speak Out business, I was working full-time. I wasn't able to attend breakfast meetings or come on the phone to make cold calls. I had to find almost stealth ways of generating leads that I could do undetected in the office. And to do this, I found a few ways that worked for me and I systemized each one. I'm just going to share these with you now. Firstly, I did pay-per-click advertising where I could log in when I got into the office each day to check the stats from the previous day and just keep tweaking and perfecting my campaign. I knew each day if I was getting sign-ups because they would come through on my BlackBerry as an email every time someone downloaded my report so I could monitor what was going on. So I just set this up and tweaked it and got it so it ran on autopilot that I knew that I was getting the lowest possible cost per click and I was getting a maximum number of sign-ups a day. Secondly, each weekend I pick a theme relating to my market and highlight five problems around that theme. 
I then take one problem a day, and whilst driving in the car in the morning on the way to work, create a short script to solving that problem quickly and easily. I then park, and then record a short video of my flip camera, which then really uploaded straight to YouTube in seconds, and then connected to my Twitter account and all other social media once I got in the office. I then quickly jot down a 300-word article off the same video about that problem that I just recorded. So this would take about another five minutes. So the hard work had already been done. And then I'd email that over to my wife, who if she was at her work. She would proofread it, send it back to me by lunchtime, and then I'd upload the article to a directory sites that I'd already invented, and there we go, traffic, more traffic coming through, more leads getting generated. And this was about systemizing this every day. And literally, this would take me 10, 15 minutes a day, which isn't a lot of time. I did a few other things as well, like visit charity shops when I would go and get my sarnie for lunch. And I'd buy any books that were relevant to my market for like, I mean, at least about 10p. It's ridiculous. But then I would go and put these on Amazon when I got home and sell them for like 1p. But then everything I did sell, I'd put in a flyer into each book, directing a customer to my webpage. So they were qualifying themselves because they were looking a book on it. I'd just put an irresistible offer about something free they could get if they went to my website. I also took advantage of eBay not charging listing fees for anything under 99p. I recorded an hour-long audio, then put it up for sale for 1p using as many keywords as I could find on eBay. Orders would come in, burn the disc, pop it in the post with a flyer again, and again get people on my mailing list for you know, very low-cost lead generation. I also used Twitter and Facebook for my black, BlackBerry as well because this helped me spread my word rapidly. I mean, if you're not into social media, you've got to get into it because it's just huge potential that you can have with it. I speak to people all over the world every day just simply from my BlackBerry. I think it's quite amazing. I often get asked why I don't go do breakfast networking, and this is just purely down to choice, my choice of lifestyle. At this time, and having proved I can generate leads online while worst working full-time, the thought of getting up and going networking doesn't appeal to me, as it's more work building contacts who might not be directly my, my target customers. There is massive value in networking now. I think it's actually one of the key things to, to selling. But you have to go into it 100%. And at the moment, staying in bed for an hour, hour with my wife wins over going for a cooked breakfast, to be completely honest. This may change in the future. So you can see I have a few methods there that just become no-brainer actions for me to take each day. They're just habits and they've become almost effortless for me. Systems just plug and play. I show up, do it, it's done. And have to think about it. This consistent approach is where I make the money in my business. I ensure I have a crowd of interested people to talk to on a daily basis, where I can also ask them what their problems are and sell solutions to those problems. I pick my tactics and make sure it fits well with me and what I want to do. I then systemize it and consistently do each action each day without fail. The results will come, but you have to commit to this approach. This is where you make the money. These are the cash-producing activities. If you don't regularly do these activities in a consistent manner, you'll get two problems. Firstly, you might get an initial flood in your business and you think you do not need to market anymore, so you, you, you have this big feast. You stop doing the lead generation. But then what happens is when you actually need to make more sales, you don't have any fresh leads, so you're back to the famines again where you were at the start, and you just have to start all over again. You need to avoid this cycle and make lead generation a daily activity. The second problem is trying to do too many tactics and they're not working properly. They then don't 
don't work for you, you give up hope, you walk away from them, moaning that it doesn't work, and essentially these would have been a gold mine for you if you'd done them properly, but you just end up going, oh, they don't work, and start making excuses. Lead generation is the lifeblood for your sales. If you don't have anyone listening to you, it's impossible to sell anything. It can be a game of numbers, but the more targeted leads you have to approach, the higher your conversion will be, the more sales you will make. So there you have it. Eight problems and the simple ways you can overcome them to double your sales quickly and easily. Let's just recap. You have to build relationships and earn the trust of your prospects. You have to earn the right to sell to your market and create the environment where people want to buy from you as a respected resource. You have to focus on what problem your product or services sell, solve for your prospects. It's not about how qualified you are. It is about how you can help them get the result they are looking for. It doesn't matter if you're good at lots of things. If you try to market yourself as a jack of all trades, people will see you as a master of nothing. You must get expert status as solving a particular problem can earn you the high premium fees and be recognized as something in particular so your network can refer leads to you. You're not a big brand, so don't act like one. Your advertising should focus on direct response messaging to get interest leads to contact you. Don't go for the sale straight away. Just show them that you can help them resolve their particular problem and start building a relationship with them. Don't copy what other people are doing. You are unique and you need to make your business stand out as being different due to what you do. Learn from other people, but ultimately do what works for you, not what you think will impress other people. You need to get comfortable at asking for the money. And the way to do this is to really understand the value of what you are selling and how it helps your customers. When you know exactly how your product can help your customers in terms of money, time and work, and you can explain this clearly and concisely, you will not feel uncomfortable about asking for the money, trust me. You must speak your customer's language, not yours. Don't try and force your message onto a prospect. Listen to what they actually want, then repackage your offer accordingly. You want to be the answer to your market's prayers. Just remember, they don't care about your prayer, they care about their prayer. And finally, if you're not getting enough leads in the first place, you need to make it happen. Don't overwhelm yourself. Just pick a few things, three or four, that sit well with you and do them consistently and stick with it. This will become the lifeblood of wherever you are selling. I can't overemphasize how important that is. This is the end now of Double Your Sales. What I want you to do is, is, this information is worthless unless you do something with it. So what I want you to do is grab a piece of paper and just write three things down right now that you think you can go and do immediately as a result of listening to this audio. So I want you to go and implement them because taking the action is where the key is to doubling your sales. I'm John Daniels. This is Double Your Sales. I look forward to speaking to you soon. <laughs>